Welcome back. Saturday morning, we're ready to go here. Welcome live streamers, campuses. Thanks for joining us. Uh, again, as in all the other sessions, if you have questions uh, throughout uh, this morning, you can write them down, get them down to Nicole down front here, and she will uh, try to get them up to us and to pastors. So I guess we'll kick things off and get going. Yeah, praise God. We have a... Uh, we have a uh, uh, question. Uh, when God knows everything about us, then why when we go up for prayer, the one praying totally misses the mark? So I'm presuming that they uh, would come up and the person would just start praying and they didn't have the information. Uh, I don't know. I think that if you're having somebody pray for you about a specific thing, uh, they ought to ask you, what do you need prayer about? So yeah. there can be some type of agreement. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I wouldn't leave everything to them because, you know, you have a, when you come to somebody, like if you were sick and you came to the elders, they would say, what do you want us to pray yeah, about? Okay, yeah. And they'd say, well, you know, the Lord knows. Well, then I'd say, well, then why are you asking me? <laughs> I mean, you have to tell people what you're praying yeah, about. Yeah. Can't get so spiritual that you disconnect yourself you from an, it. You have to have an agreement of faith. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you have to be able to make a contact yeah. with faith. So if somebody misses it like that, then you just need to tell them, wait, I want to tell you what I want you to pray about. Yeah. And if they're just going to pray what they want to pray, then that's a little different. Yeah. Uh, but we have to inform people that are praying for us. So uh, I hope that that answered it. Uh, make sure that you tell people what you're praying for, and uh, that will help. Uh, let me see. Last uh, night we ended up with uh, wisdom, I think. Wisdom, the word wisdom. of wisdom, yeah. And uh, so today you wanted to talk about the word of knowledge. Yeah. Uh, realize that these are supernatural gifts. They have nothing to do with our intelligence, our information. Now, that does not mean that someone cannot be used in the uh, verbal gifts, the tongues, interpretation, tongues, or prophecy, even if they know about the situation. Yeah, exactly. Because prophets many times came in knowing the yeah. situation. Yeah. And so you can know the situation and God can still give you an utterance about that individual or about that situation. Mm -hmm. So uh, don't be intimidated. Say, well, well, I know about the situation. Mm -hmm. Well, that's okay. God can still use you to speak. Yeah. The biggest thing about the gifts that we're going to be talking about, the last thing, is how God speaks to us uh, in these gifts. Uh, there are different administrations. In other words, God uses people different ways. So we're going to talk about the word of knowledge, and it is a word. The word of knowledge does several things. Number one, it unveils the nature of God. All the nine gifts, remember, unveil the nature of God, not the character of God, the nature of God. In other words, that which makes him God. And uh, one of the natures of God is that he is omnipotent. He, um, omnipotent, omniscient. Omnipotent, yeah. Yeah, there you go, thank yeah. you. Omnipotent. <laughs> and uh, he knows everything. And uh, he knows the uh, end from the beginning and beginning from the end. So 
the word of knowledge reveals to people, to the world, that God knows everything. And uh, that's what the nine gifts do. They reveal the nature of God, but they reveal the identity of Jesus Christ. And then they are the voice of the Holy Spirit, Exodus, the fourth chapter. So uh, there are three things that are going on in the use of the gifts of the Spirit. So let's talk about the word of knowledge. Uh, and this is a word it's not everything about. And all you need to know is about a word of knowledge. It just needs to be enough to invoke faith yeah. for the miracle to take place. Mm. So let's go to, uh, oh, Mark, the fourth chapter. Let's go to Mark, the fourth chapter in verse 12 through 17. And Kylan, we'll start out with you today. And the word of knowledge, uh, I, uh, I don't press it too much in my congregation, but in other churches, uh, God will use us in calling out people's names, addresses, uh, things like that. So uh, these things, uh, God can get very nitty-gritty even into uh, calling people out by nickname, by pronouncing their name, saying, but your nickname is this. And, uh, you know, so God knows all of that stuff, and he'll use you in that. So the word of knowledge is a great way to see God expound the intimacy of what he knows as just common knowledge to him about individuals. Okay, Kylan. All right, Mark 4, 12. That they may see and not perceive and hear and that they may hear and not understand, lest any that they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. And he said unto them. Oh, wait, it's 14. Did I say 14? 4? Yes, you said 4. 14. I, no, I said 14. Oh. <laughs> well, why didn't you look over here and read this? My word, it's right there in plain <laughs> Black ink. I need interpretation to read that. So, <laughs> all right. Okay, fourteen, twelve. Okay. Word of knowledge. There. Okay. Word of <laughs> knowledge, wisdom. I need all the gifts. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. Fourteen, twelve. Am I right now? Yeah. Okay. All right. We'll start there. <laughs> all right. Mark fourteen, twelve. And the first day of unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover, his disciples said unto him, Where thou, where wilt thou go? that we go and prepare thou may eat us the Passover. And he sendeth forth two of his disciples, and saith unto them, Go ye into the city, and there shall meet you a man bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him. And wheresoever shall, he shall go in, say ye to the good man of the house, the master saith, Where is the guest chamber where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show ye a large upper room, furnished and prepared, there make ready for us. And his disciples went forth and came into the city, and found as he said unto them, and they made ready to pass over. And in the evening he cometh with the twelve. This is a word of knowledge that unveils so much about how God uses the word of knowledge with us. Number one, the word of knowledge will show us things to come. Yes. Uh, this was an unusual thing for a man to be carrying a pot of water. Today, as strong-willed as the women are, it's very common. <laughs> and but... Back then it wasn't. So Jesus sends these men in and he tells them what they're going to see. And then he uh, tells them what to ask. 
A word of knowledge can tell you what to say. Specifically, like you call somebody out, says, uh, you know, you're dealing with cancer, you're dealing with this or that. That is a word of knowledge. Now, when a word of knowledge is being used like that, especially in the area of people that are uh, getting healed, the working of miracles or restoring uh, cancers and things of that nature, when the Bible says that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, hearing that faith can be born by the word of knowledge. If somebody comes up to you and tells you something that only God knows, Mm -hmm. then you understand that faith has jumped to a whole new level. And sometimes during a word of knowledge, when you're ministering to people, getting ready to pray for them, uh, when it has to do with sickness and disease or financial needs or anything, that it's kind of like an onion layer. It's kind of like you'll say something and they'll say, yeah, yeah, that happened. Or you'll mention a date uh, or something like that. Uh, nine months ago, you had a dream. And, uh, but what happens is it begins to unlayer the person's life. And each layer then is a word from God. And each layer is taking them from one faith to another faith until they have enough faith to receive that miracle. Then after that, nothing else has to be said because it has a purpose. And one of the purposes of the word of uh, word of knowledge is that it brings a level of faith that the individual did not have reading the scriptures. But this is a word of knowledge about them. Yeah. And so since they know that, they become persuaded that this is God. And uh, then it also shows us uh, that we can get a word of knowledge of what to say. And things that I remember we were building the other building and uh, I was getting ready to uh, we were getting ready to start and they come to me and they said well they stopped us and we're going to have to put a sprinkler system in I said I don't want to put a sprinkler I said I don't have the money to do that they said well you you aren't going to get around it, Mr. Dosek he said look it, Bill Fox tell me said look you're, you're just going to have to bite the bullet and get the money someplace I said, I'm not getting that money. I don't think I need it. He said, well, they think you do. I said, make me an appointment. He said, it'll never happen. I said, you call them, and I'll have an appointment with them before this week's out. And lo and behold, he came in, and he was sitting in my office when I came in in the morning. That's pretty early. And I said, Bill, what are you doing here? He said, I I don't know. I'm just shaking my head thinking, how in the world did that happen? He said, I've never had it happen. I've been doing this all my life. And he said, they gave you an appointment. So we get to go up there tomorrow, next day, whatever day it was, and uh, to uh, talk about this sprinkler system. So I get up there and I say, God, now I need, you know, some information about this guy so that at least I can break the ice, you know, and you give me favor with him. So I seen this guy uh, in a vision, saw him in a vision. And uh, I was in the bathroom and I thought, huh, just about that time, here comes that guy in a vision, standing right next to me. He said, how you doing? He said, I'm doing great. How you doing, Dad? I said, it's going to be a great day for me. And <laughs> so I seen him. And when I get in there, I start talking to him across the table. And God gives me word about him being in the ministry, and he's an evangelist. And so he says, 
I want you to go home and you tell me how long it takes to get from your fire department to your church. And so I timed it, and uh, he gave me a clearance. He said, I'm, I'm giving you a write-off. And he said, we're going to go over this. So all we did was talk about Jesus and how he's <laughs> going to bless me. Hallelujah. So, but we can, we can do those things. So I think that God can give you a word of knowledge of who to join yourself to. He'll show you things to come. He'll establish your place. When God gives you a word of knowledge, your steps are ordered of the Lord. Yeah. So we can have that in our personal life, but we can also have it in ministry. Yeah. And these guys saw the man. They followed him. Their steps were ordered. He gave them a word, and which gave the guy enough faith to say, yeah, this is the room I've prepared for you. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he gave him information about just that man. So it can be uh, who we go into relationship with. Uh, it can be what we're supposed to say in a place. Uh, it orders our steps, puts a word in our mouth for a season, and it will also bring faith from you to another. Yeah. And uh, so then let's go to uh, John 1, 45 through 51. Rob, can you get that? Here, look here, don't listen to me. Right here, John 1, yeah, John 1, 45. I read it. Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathan said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said unto him, Come and see. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile. And Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before that Philip calleth thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. So the word of knowledge then reveals people that we're going to come in contact with, yeah. even their spiritual stance stance, or yeah. spiritual stance. So and their spiritual condition. Mm -hmm. So a word of knowledge reveals this stuff to us. And if we realize that a word of knowledge is not just empowering us to know things about people, it has a purpose. Yeah. This again, when Jesus spoke these mm -hmm. things, then Nathaniel turned yeah. and he believed. Yeah, exactly. So there was a faith revealed to him that he did not have before. Yeah. And uh, so that's important that we understand that when that happens, yeah. that that can be revealed. And then if we looked at what Jesus does with him, he tells him where he's been. Yeah. <laughs> and a word of knowledge, when you call people out, it will tell you, hey, uh, I see you've been here or I, you've been dealing with this. Uh, this yeah. is going on in your body, uh, things of that nature. Uh, the doctors you've been to, all that type of stuff. And uh, God can get very specific. And I don't think that any believer should back down from having the specifics yeah. of people's names and addresses. Yeah. Because if you're going to bring faith, I want to bring it enough that they're going to get their miracle. Yeah. Now, not that it has to happen all the time, Jesus had a word of knowledge that you're going to meet some woman yeah. here at this well, 
<laughs> but he asked a question to find out if she was the woman. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you can ask a question that will lead you yeah. to a word of knowledge or confirm that you have that word of knowledge. Now, a lot of times, I know for me, I'll, I'll see an image or something, mm -hmm. and it, a picture of something. I guess you said you had a vision. Yeah. And uh, it, it, it can come that away. In yes, images and yeah. Thoughts. And uh, we can kind of talk about that now. Yeah. Uh, the words of knowledge or any of the gifts can come uh, through dreams, mm -hmm. visions, and they can even come by thoughts. Anybody know what the imagination is in a human being? What is it? Projector. Thank you, a projector. Yeah. You, whoever told you that was smart. <laughs> projector, <laughs> the imagination has the potential to take every thought yeah. or every word and translate it, transform it into an image. Jesus said, I do nothing except I hear or see my father do it. And so when you are, have a thought, if you meditate on that thought, your imagination will build a picture of that. And so when uh, these things, when we get a dream or a vision and it brings us this gift, you can see that it could be a vision or a dream because of the imagination of man. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And God put that in man. And then, so that's two ways. We can do it by dream or we can do it by vision. And if you went to Acts 10, 1, you find out where Cornelius was praying and in a vision, an angel came to him. Yeah. Yeah. And that angel gave him a word of knowledge about Simon Peter over at Simon's house. That must have been a pretty common name. And uh, over by uh, the, uh, shore, the sea. And so uh, the angel says, send somebody there. And so Cornelius pulls in one of the centurions that serve him, and he sends him to Peter. Well, that is a word of knowledge that gives direction. He gave him a house number, and he gave him a name of a man that he had never met. And then Peter, he is there, and he's up on the housetop, and he has a vision. And he gets a word of knowledge about somebody coming to meet him and to greet him that he, because that word of knowledge, he's, not, he's supposed to go and doubt nothing. Yeah. So that's where faith comes in mm -hmm. through a word of knowledge. Mm -hmm. And so Peter goes with them, and so you have a vision from uh, Cornelius, and a vision from Peter. Yeah. So those are ways that God speaks to people. The Bible says in Job 33, I think verse 9 down through 15 says that God speaks to us once, yea, twice in the day, but because of the busyness of man he doesn't hear, so God speaks to him in a night vision or in a night language, and that language needs to be interpreted sometimes, called a dream. Yeah. And uh, so God speaks to us in these dreams, and a dream is simply a voice of God that needs to be translated from image form back to word form. Yeah. You, when you're sharing a dream, you don't draw stick people and say, <laughs> this is what God said. Uh, you 
translate it the backward way. And uh, so you have dreams and visions. And then read Isaiah 58, verse 7, or 7 or 8. This is another way that God does it that God will invoke these gifts or impart these gifts to you. All right, Isaiah 58, 7 and 8? Yeah. All right, verse 7 is, it is not to deal thy bread to the hungry. No, nope, that's not it. Okay. Isaiah 55, I'm sorry. Is it 55 where God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts? 55, 8? Yeah. Yes. All right, 55, 8. There you go, I'm sorry. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. All right, and what does it say? But I will give you my thoughts. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and make it, and bring forth in bud, it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater. So shall my word go, that goeth forth out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me void, but it will accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Do you notice anything in there? Yeah, there's a lot. I'm going to take <laughs> my thoughts, mm -hmm. but then when I get done, my thoughts will be my word. Mm -hmm. So thoughts are the voice of God. Thoughts are the verbiage of God. And he gives us his thoughts. Remember what he said. He said, I'll take my thoughts, yeah. but then... My thought, when I release it to the earth, to a human being, it will be my word. So thoughts are words, and words are thoughts. Anybody know what this is? This is the logos of God, yeah. the logos. This logos is the concept or the thought or the mindset of God towards something. And so then this Logos, when you meditate on it, it turns into a rhema. Mm -hmm. So it goes from thought yeah. to speech. Mm -hmm. Amen? Okay. So that same principle operates when we are operating in the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, so you have thoughts. Well, man, oh, man, how do I know they're God? Trial and error. Yeah. Trial and error. Mm -hmm. you, you, look, you're never going to be perfect. If you're waiting to be perfect in the gifts and not make any, no, it's not going to happen. It, it's just not going to happen. There is the growing process. And so, you know, Paul said, I was a child. I spake as a child. When I become a man, I spake as a man. He grew. And we learned to be used in the things of righteousness. So we have to step out and do it by faith. Um, well, what if you miss? You say, whoops, sorry, yeah. and you go someplace else. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I tell the story. I prayed for five dead people. Four of them are still dead, but thank God that lady in, that we raised last time, <laughs> she shouted the victory. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah, Mary Lou's a happy camper, praise God. But uh, were the other words, were the other four failures? No, they were just test pilots. They never made it. I don't know what else to say. Uh, but I wouldn't give up. 
Now, you can give up and surrender and say, well, I just miss God and pout. I guess you can do that. That's not what faith does. Not at all. So we want to make sure that we continue to do that. Another way that you'll find is sometimes when you're uh, around somebody, uh, you'll, you'll think of something that happened to another person. And you know what? That'll be God uh, stirring a gift and putting in your remembrance. And he brings those things that are common to you. And you know what? You'll find that that person that God just brought that name to you about is, is, is dealing with the same thing this person is dealing with. But you begin to understand this as you begin to exercise it. And so don't be afraid to do it. Don't be afraid to call names. Uh, gosh, it, you know, it just, uh, I was in uh, Denver one time, and uh, I was, uh, I got a word of knowledge about a lady. God said she'll be in the uh, service tomorrow morning, and uh, she uh, has a tumor uh, on her breast, and she's dying of cancer. He said, now, I will show that woman to you by an angel. I said, okay. So I go there that Sunday morning. I'm preaching. And all of a sudden, I say, hey, ma'am, you. And she stands up, and I said, "Uh, now, you have a tumor on your breast. She said, yes. And I said, in fact, you have cancer. She said, yes, I do. I said, now, there's an angel that just came up behind you, and I saw this in the uh, hotel. And uh, so I prayed for her, and God healed her. So those things happen, and uh, so it's, it was just a, a thought. Hey, wow, I'm going to have that. And then that thought, as I thought about it, turned into a vision. Yeah. And so I seen that. So God will progressively use you in a word of knowledge, like you see this man, then you follow that man. Yeah. Uh, but other times when you have uh, that, you know, likeness of somebody, don't be afraid to ask questions, say, hey, is this you? Or yeah. duh, duh, duh. Yeah. A lot of times I'll say, uh, uh, do you know somebody named name of Susie? Well, yeah, yeah that's me. Yeah. I say, okay, Susie, uh, this is what the Lord wants to say to you. Yeah. And uh, so those things are relating. So once you learn how God is using you, then you can hone it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I always like to do waitresses and stuff like that yeah. i just like to say uh, uh hey how's your second child well you know they aren't doing very good you know they, they've got a quote that says, is it a girl and i i, yeah. I use it mm-hmm. I, I mean it, it's there you say well would you just play with god well i don't know that i'm playing with god i'm trying to critique myself to be used of god in any place that i am in life and I witnessed to sinners yeah. that are drinking beer. I'd say that's probably playing with God more than, uh, you know, who's going to be half drunk and get saved? I've seen it. I have too. So I, yeah. uh, but you only bring that out. All right. So, uh, so we have a word of knowledge. A word of knowledge can show you what to do in the time of trouble. In Matthew, uh, Acts 27, where Paul was in the storm, a word of knowledge came to him and said, this is what's going to be happening you're going to be cast up on a sea. Mm-hmm. And it also told him, don't let any of the men throw stuff overboard and don't let them jump overboard. Yeah. Yeah. They all have to stay yeah. there. Yeah. 
And so that was a word of knowledge, yeah. telling us that it, where he was going to go, what was going to happen to him. So it can uh, direct us like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, let's go to uh, 2 Kings 2, 1. So the word of knowledge has a lot to do in our lives and to help us. 2, 1? Yes. And it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here, and I pray, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord liveth and as my soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he said, Yea, I know it. Hold ye your peace. Now Elijah had a word of knowledge. Mm. The prophets probably had a prophetic word that fell on them and prophesied Elijah's departure. Yeah. Right, departure. And uh, Elisha probably had a, an inkling or whatever yeah. that said, you know what, I'm not leaving this guy. Mm -hmm. He sent something in his spirit. But he had a word of knowledge that told him to be at a certain place at a certain time. Mm. And so we see that we can be led into places that God has appointed for us yeah. that may transition us into a season or a time uh, or put us into a place where there'll be transition from a glory to a glory. But a word of knowledge will tell us where yeah. to be and when to be there. Yeah. So God does use the word of knowledge to put us in places that are strategic in time and strategic in the spirit. Mm -hmm. So with these words of knowledge that come, we want to make sure that we give heed to them and don't just brush them off. I'd much rather try something or prove something a hundred times than to miss it once. Amen. Because failure is hard to get over. And uh, I know some people say, well, I just get up and do it again. And, and I know that that's true, except it's a whole lot harder than what you think. Yeah. So uh, that word of knowledge uh, can operate very extensively. And it is pivotal for you to receive faith from God, you to deposit faith in another person, for you to know your actions or the steps of faith that you would take yeah. and these words of knowledge uh, should be in our life because God has given to us uh, these gifts and uh, what I do is I certainly every day just simply say you know God now I ask that the word of knowledge would be released in my daily life today that God it will show me who I should walk with God put a word in my mouth for those that need encouragement, uplifted, or an infusion of faith into their life. God, show me how to handle people. Give me a word for my life today that I can speak into people. And then I just ask God, say, you know what? I, God, uh, don't accept or do not surrender to anything less than what Jesus had. He had names. He had addresses and so forth, and so I use that. Yeah. And uh, 
So I, it's, it's simple, and God will do it for you. And God wants to use you. Remember, he gave you these gifts. And so he wants you to be used in these gifts and in these arenas. So uh, that is uh, the word of knowledge. You got any questions about that, Kylie? No questions. Just, you know, you talk about the, the gifts overlap one another. Yes. It seems like the word of knowledge is one that is a big one in that, that it especially is an entryway into the other gifts and other things that happen. Yes, absolutely, because it can, uh, number one, it predisterns mm -hmm. the condition of a man that you're going to follow. Mm -hmm. And then it also has to do with foretelling. Mm -hmm. And so it has all of these gifts that overlap, mm -hmm. and no gift stands by itself, no. not, not any, uh, just like Elijah. Yeah. We talk, you know, there was a prophetic gift, mm -hmm. there was a proclamation of that gift, and then there was a statement by Elijah that God had given him a word of knowledge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So these gifts do overlap. So we divide them to teach about them. Yeah. But mm -hmm. realize it doesn't matter whatever the gift that is in operation, it doesn't matter. Yeah. What matters is the outcome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so however it comes out is, is not important to me. I, I never say, oh, man, I, you know. I want to be, God used me tonight in the word of knowledge. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. You know, God, yeah. just when I pray, give me miracles. Yeah. And uh, so. Uh, Pastor, don't you think that many times uh, Christians, spirit-filled Christians, operate in some of these gifts unbeknownst to them in some mm -hmm. sense? Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. You, you, know, you have, have to you hone ever, it and learn it. But yeah. They, you know, and that's the thing. They don't hone it because yeah. they think, oh, wow, that was cool. Yeah. And they don't realize that it was a gift. But how many of you ever been, uh, you know, going down a road and say, you know, you just felt like you ought to get in the other lane? And then all of a sudden, there's a wreck up here in the lane that you just transferred out of. Yeah. Well, we need to be sensitive by those because that is a part of being led by the Spirit of God. According to Romans 8, 14, uh, Phyllis was going to Lima one time. She's up by the old Westinghouse down by the original beer barrel you know what the beer barrel is yeah, yeah okay uh fat jack's competitor mm -hmm. and uh but uh she was going down there and the lord told her get in the other lane so she got in the other lane and she pulled up there stopped at the light and all of a sudden that big red light came crashing down whoosh, right where she was sitting yeah right beside her so that could have been detrimental. Yeah. Uh, but God saved her. And, uh, you know, those things happen to us all the time. And we think that those just, you know, they're just, oh, well, that was pretty neat. No, those are the gifts of the Spirit. And so we need to be uh, sensitive to them because they're happening in our lives. Yeah. And I think sometimes because we don't pursue them, that we don't recognize them. Yeah. Yeah. And we, so we don't make it too hard. Yeah, you, you, right. you just obey the, the leading or the, the inkling that you have. Yes. That opens you up. So that, that feeling that Pastor Phyllis had, it was just simple, uh, I'm going to do that. It was in yeah. obedience to what she felt. I remember Nick was about seven, 16 or 17, and uh, there was a girl and a guy in our church, and uh, they were great people except uh, I, Phyllis and I was on vacation 
And so we left uh, Nikki in the hands of Janice Dearman. Well, sometime during the night, Nikki told Janice, Janice, I got to go to Pickle Mall. Janice said, sweetheart, I ain't letting you out of my sight. Your dad would kill me. <laughs> and, uh, but lo and behold, she talked her into it. So she goes to this, the mall, doesn't go in or anything. She has another girl with her. She's sitting in the parking lot, and uh, she's looking across the parking lot, and all of, a God, all of a sudden, God said, now. So she speeds towards this car, goes up to the car, puts her hand on the door, opens the door, and this guy and this girl is just about ready to have sex. And they freak out. <laughs> that was the day before phones. <laughs> but they said, what are you doing here? And Nikki said, the Lord told me to come here. And God saved those people. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. My, my great, I, I mean, I've had lots of great words of knowledge and names and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, but one time Phyllis, uh, I bought Phyllis a, a bracelet. I'd been out of the country for about two or three weeks when I first started in crusades. And so I felt bad. So, uh, the guy with me talked me into buying Phyllis a bracelet and he said, Oh yeah, man. Oh yeah. Pete wants to buy. And I thought, I'm going to buy her nothing, man. It cost him like 1200 bucks. It's 50% off. So he had a lot of stinking money. Yeah. And uh, so uh, I took Phyllis uh, Christmas shopping, and uh, when she came out, we was going down the road, and she said, oh, my gosh, I've lost my bracelet. Of course, me being the compassionate guy I was, I said, what is wrong with you? My gosh, can't you take care of nothing? And I'm in uh, Vandalia. Just, we're going through all the bags and everything, and I'm just, fit to be tied. And uh, so I wonder sometimes that faith doesn't always work by love. Or <laughs> and uh, anyway, uh, we couldn't find it. Phyllis is crying. She's calling the mall. And of course, the mall is saying, no, we haven't found anything. We haven't seen anything. And uh, so I just slammed the truck, the trunk, and I get in the car, and I take off back towards the mall. Phil said, where are you going? It's closed. And I said, you know what? I'm a tither. And God lives in me, and I'm not letting the devil steal from me. And so I went back, and during the time that we had left them all to Vandalia, it had snowed. And there was about four inches of snow on the parking lot. So I pulled into the parking lot, and we went into Elder Beerman, I think, was down on this end. I drove right on past and Phyllis is saying, honey, honey, we parked back there. We parked back there. I had no sense of where I was going, but all of a sudden I slammed on my brakes. I opened the door, stuck my hand in the snow and pulled that bracelet up out of that snow. And Phyllis said, you're kidding me. I felt like a man of God. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that was a great word of knowledge.
And uh, I wish I could get that word of knowledge from my car keys that I've lost <laughs> for the last week and a half. <laughs> I'm blaming that on Phyllis because I asked her to pray. So, uh, uh, so the word of knowledge can be used in that. It can be used for everyday use. It can be used for all types of things. So uh, you got any more questions or statements about word of knowledge? Yeah. All right, good. The word of knowledge is a powerful thing that uh, it will really help you grow and, and to go in God. All right, uh, what other one you want today? How about the gift of faith? Yeah. Okay, let's go to the gift of faith. And uh, let's go to how about Jesus multiplying the bread? Let's go to Matthew, the uh, 14th chapter, I think it is, where Jesus multiplies the bread. This is the gift of faith. Now, the gift of faith is, in, is, is a dimension of faith, a measure of faith that man cannot obtain on his own. So, so every person has a measure of faith, but the gift of faith is... The gift of faith, a measure of faith, there is a measure of faith for the nine in the body of Christ ministerial mm -hmm. gifts. Uh, not the ministry gifts, but the ones that have forgiving, for prophesying, for uh, encouraging, exhorting, and so forth. In Romans 12, 4, on down through 10. And then there is the faith that is given to every believer. Mm -hmm. In uh, Romans 12, 3, that the measure of faith is given to every man. Yeah. That measure of faith is a measure out of 1 John 5 and 4, the, and also the faith that people receive when they get born again. Like Peter said, you will obtain like precious, precious. faith. Yeah. Everybody has the same measure because nobody is to respect the persons. And that faith is the faith that produces the abundant life. There is nothing wrong with it. And as you grow it, tend to it, nurture it, use it, then it will grow and that you will live, the just shall live by faith. That measure of faith you'll live by. But then there is the measure of faith, uh, of measure of faith that comes with a call. Mm -hmm. And you hear, what do you hear? You hear the call. Mm -hmm. When you hear that call, there is a measure of faith that is dropped on the inside of you that places you in the arena of an office. And that office is an office that is established by faith. Mm -hmm. And so you have to use that and develop that faith. There is the faith that comes for, uh, uh, I'll call it a, an experiential faith. It doesn't come by hearing. It comes by and experience. Mm -hmm. How many of you ever heard of uh, Leroy Jenkins? Yeah. All right. If you went to Leroy Jenkins' church, there is a tape that shows his biography. You can't watch it. He, he cusses so much in there that it's, it's just impossible. Now, I had two friends. You might have uh, met them, Elaine and Ken Homer, that used to come here. They worked for him. So they would tell me stories where he would go out and get drunk 
the night before, and then he would come into a coliseum of 10, 15,000 people and just empty wheelchairs. Now you say, how in the world does that work? Well, the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. In other words, these are sovereign decrees and enablements of God before the foundations of the earth. And uh, well, how can that happen? The gift is given to the man. And it's given without repentance, even before he's born again. They don't come upon you just because you got born again, again and then all of a sudden all these things are given to you. No, these things you are born with because they are sovereignly decreed by God. And so uh, Leroy Jenkins uh, would do miracles and everything, and, and they said, you know, and he would tell them. I'm one of the guys that is on the, on the judgment day going to say, Lord, I did these things, and he's going to say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. Now, that's what he would say. Well, how did Leroy Jenkins even get in the ministry? Or how did he even begin to operate in miracles? Anybody want to buy vitamins or anything? I'm sure, that I'm, I'm sure that's what it's for. What do you want me to do? You just answered it. No, I didn't. Yeah, you did. There, oh. I hung up. Goodbye. <laughs> well, maybe they, they need to listen to this. Let's call them yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Leroy Jenkins came into an A.A. A. Allen meeting. His arm was almost severed off, and it was dying. He came into the meeting. Somebody brought him. And Brother Allen prayed for him, and immediately his arm mended, and he had a miracle. That miracle birthed faith in Leroy Jenkins. And he believed that if God healed him, that he could heal other people. He said, I got faith. I know what God did for me. It was an experiential faith. And a lot of times, you know, teachers and stuff don't talk about that, but it is a very real faith. And uh, it is connected to second uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 4, 5, and 6, signs and wonders. They had experiences with God, the blind seeing and so forth. They had faith in God. But did they hear all of the gospel? Maybe not. We don't know. Paul just said, I didn't come with enticing man's word of man's wisdom. So he had that, and that guy, and it, it doesn't bother me, uh, sometimes it confuses other people, but it doesn't confuse me at all because there are more people that have gifts and callings using them in the secular world and never using them in the kingdom. It doesn't bother me when people do that. You, you know, people get all, oh, my God, I could. Well, just wake up. The church is filled with charlatans. The church is filled with people that are marketing Listen, 90% of the programs you watch are setting you up for an offering at the end or to pull a net in and you're sitting there smiling and eating popcorn. So, you know, let, let's just realize that, that, you know, the body of Christ is the last great frontier of merchandise. And uh, so what he would do, 
he would uh, preach in these coliseums, and uh, he wouldn't even preach half the time. He'd sing. The guy couldn't sing worth a hoot. I mean not worth a hoot. But God would use him. And he could call you out and tell you, buddy, anything. It used to amaze me. I thought, buddy, you go in there with a pair of underwear on, he's going to tell you what size they are. <laughs> the guy was just had a word of knowledge, but he was not intimidated, and he didn't try to measure up to everybody's standard. He just said, I am this, and this is what God did for me, and if he didn't like me the way that I am, he wouldn't have done it, which was not true. But, so he had a great miracle ministry. And uh, you can't deny that he had it. He did have it. Yes, he got off. Yes, he started selling holy water, joy water, deep water, clear water, intoxicating water. He sold all everything. And uh, so that, those are the different ways that faith comes, Tyron. But when it comes to this type of faith, this faith is the gift of faith. It is one gift, a measure to do one thing. When it's done, that faith is no longer available to you. It's for that moment, for a particular purpose. For a particular yeah. purpose, yeah. for a moment. I remember the first time that God gave me uh, a gift of faith. I was in this uh, 16 by 32 foot dirt floor uh, church and the Lord spoke to me and said I'm going to put you on television all around the world so I just stood up and said I'll tell you what I'm going to be on TV all around the world I'm telling you you couldn't convince me that I wasn't going to be there so I went from that building went to another building then I remodeled that building then I started hanging up paper TV cameras People thought I was stupid. You, it didn't bother me. So then we become the first uh, church with the TV program that TV 44 uh, taped out of their church with their truck and put it on the air. And in fact, when I was on a three-day fast, I uh, talked to them about it, called them down to the hotel and talked to them about it. And uh, they asked me how many years I had in television. I said, I've never been on television. They said, well, how did you find this out? I said, the Lord told me. I said, and the other thing is this. You also overcharged me. And the guy said, oh, no, no, no. So he started going down through there, and he said, wow, they did. I said, well, you know, the Lord told me you overcharged me. I really wouldn't say it. The Lord said they cheated you, but I was trying to be nice. So... You know, they did the conglomeration and the hookup like I told them to. And we were first, they came into our church and taped it in a van. Wow. Uh, and so that's how we got on television. But uh, so that was a word of knowledge for us. But this, uh, I mean, a gift of faith for us. And I spoke that. And uh, I talked about it, spoke about it. And people never thought it would happen. And one day it happened. And uh, then I was uh, uh, building uh, the church building, and a guy walked in to, into my uh, office on uh, Monday morning, and he said, Pastor, I was at home. My wife and I were in bed, and we both got this thought last night. 
that we'd been saving for a brand new house. He said, we got $60,000, but we both got the thought, we ought to give that to Pastor Dosak to build a TV studio so he could have his own cameras. Mm -hmm. And they gave me $60,000 on that. And uh, so that's how we got our TV studios going. And uh, so, but the gift of faith is given for one purpose. And when that purpose is fulfilled, it's done. Yes. Now, the word of uh, the gift of faith, when I ask God to release it, or when I loose it, I say, God, I loose the gift of faith that will take me out of the ordinary and allow me to walk in the extraordinary. I ask God that that gift of faith would affect my mind, my thinking, my seeing, my ears. Everything about me, God, let it be filtered through the gift of faith. And uh, so that's how I started praying that. And uh, if you'll go to, uh, you got Matthew 14, 22? Yeah. Okay, read that. 14, 22? Oh, that's walking on water. Yeah, it's uh, 13 okay. down through 21. 15. All right, 15. do 13. All right. 13. And when Jesus heard it, he departed thence by ship into a desert, desert place apart. And when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the cities. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a desert, desert place. And the time is now past. Send the multitude away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. But Jesus said unto them, They need not depart. Give ye them to eat. And they said unto him, We have here but five loaves and two fishes. And he said, Bring them hither to me. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass. And he took the five loaves and the two fishes. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and brake and gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up the fragments that remained, 12 baskets full. And they had, and that had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. So Jesus, some way, has the faith yeah. to believe <laughs> and sets it all in order before the miracles ever happen. So he has a faith that has no questions in it. Yeah. Now, could he do that all the time? Could anybody just do that? Well, wouldn't that be nice that we could just send you to Kroger's <laughs> and you would come here and then we would pray over the food and everybody would get a bag full and go home? Yeah. <laughs> Why doesn't that happen today? It is the gift of faith. The gift of faith has to be in motion to believe beyond the promises of God. And the, the Bible never says, well, you're going to touch a loaves and fishes and they're all going to multiply. That sign will follow the believer. It doesn't say that. No. But when the gift of faith falls on you and you can believe that and that you see that, that you begin to proclaim that, then we understand that that's a gift mm. of faith for that purpose. Yes. But not that it can be used all the time. Mm. And uh, so now read uh, 
uh, from 22 on down. This is Jesus walking on the water. And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him out to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying it was a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if, if, thou, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he had saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand, caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? So, have you ever heard anybody say, boy, I believe he's got enough faith. One day he's going to walk on the water. You cannot arrive to that level of faith. <laughs> if we could... I would encourage every one of you go find a pond in the middle of your city and walk on it. People will believe. (laughs) Right? They will believe. But Jesus walks on the water after having been in a mount and evidently God tells him, go there. And he equips him with the gift of faith so that he can accomplish that or do that. Because it's going to take God's faith, a doubtless faith, a faith that is not connected to the senses, a faith that is not just born out of ordinary hearing. It's going to take a God kind of faith. And that faith was given to Jesus, and he walks on the water. So if we could arrive at that level of faith, then we could do that any time. But we can't. Unless you're going to try today? No. Uh, I would like to say that I have probably tried it in my youth and found out that it wouldn't work either. So listen, I've used my faith to fill my gas tank and then had to buy a gallon of gas. Listen, I have used my faith in everything I could ever use my faith on. Uh, except to change fellas, and I knew that it was futile anyway there. So, but this is a gift, Rob, for one thing. After Jesus walks on the water, he doesn't walk on it again. But what if he would have walked on it in front of uh, all the people there that were there at the fishing when Jesus told Peter, let down your nets. What if Peter walked out there and said, Peter, right there they are. That would have been a great miracle. But it is the gift of faith for one thing. And, uh, but you can loose that gift. How about in uh, 2 Kings, we remember uh, Elijah, Elisha uh, throws a stick into the water and an axe head swims. Yeah. It didn't float, it swam. 
to the top. Now, that was a gift of faith. The tree going in was just a sign or a symbolism, a connection to release that gift. Yeah. And so he had that. Some way he believed yeah. in his mind when that faith fell on him that that steel could swim. Mm -hmm. You don't think that's weird? Very. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very. I'm thinking, yeah, that'd be great. But uh, so these things cause us to be able to do something that is beyond the ability of the measure of faith that God gives us. Now, all things are possible, but all things cannot be obtained except that there are sovereign reasons that yeah. certain things happen, exactly. like walking on water, mm -hmm. uh, multiplying the bread, yeah. and so forth. I mean, if I could multiply stuff, <laughs> I wouldn't be taking offerings. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd just be multiplying money. Yeah. But uh, we, we don't have the ability to do that. So now I do believe if God's uh, gift of faith came on me, I believe, listen, anything that God did, then I could do for the simple fact that I've been enabled by God to duplicate him. Mm -hmm. yes. So that's the gift of faith. Mm -hmm. So uh, we can operate in that. I was in a uh, uh, service one time, I, and I started down the aisle, the main aisle, and all of a sudden, people like five or six seats in started jumping over people, falling and walking on them, and falling into the aisle and touching me. I thought, what is wrong with these people? And the Lord spoke to me, and he said, I just released the gift of faith. And they actually believed that if they could touch me, they could be healed. And I thought, man, are you kidding me? But it was that gift of faith that fell on those people. And uh, I wish it happened every Sunday, but it doesn't. <laughs> so I have to use my own faith. But those, um, this gift of faith is used for one purpose. But it also enables us to believe beyond ourselves. Amen. And that's why when I'm going into a crusade or a miracle service, I asked uh, the gift of of faith to be released in my life. Yeah. Just as uh, Elisha prayed for his servant to see with the discerning of spirits, just like we can pray that the gifts, uh, gift of interpretation would be ours, that we could covet the best gifts, yeah. then during that service, I want the gift of faith. Because when you look at people Folks, I mean, gosh, you, we see people broke, I mean, twisted and broken and, I mean, it, it cripples. I, I, who in the world can believe that a child six years old is going to walk and you just say, in the name of Jesus? Yeah. Now, I know all of you might do that, <laughs> but I'm telling you what, I have to be real. I don't believe it. Yeah. Now, I've seen it hundreds of times. And I, I'm not a man that doubts. But when I'm praying for somebody, or, or do I really think their legs are going to get brand new bones in them? I mean, I bent these legs like a piece of rubber. Yes. And do you really think it in the name of Jesus? Okay, that's it. Hallelujah. Well, are you kidding me? I'm struggling. 
I'm praying, but I'm checking. So you could call me the greatest unbelieving believer. I don't know what you want, but I'm surprised when things happen. Yes. It's amazing. Do, are you? Yeah. Well, I, are you? This is Kylan excited. And, and uh, so, <laughs> so I, I am really surprised. I go to my room, and I, I mean, I can't even sleep. Eric can tell you, I go for days on a crusade. I don't even sleep. Not one wink. Not one wink. Because I am so blown away of what is happening in people's lives, in their bodies, eyeballs being created. Uh, I mean, I, I pray for people with eyeballs out here, and their, their eyeballs about as big as the uh, end of a pencil sticking out. The guy doesn't ever close his eye, yeah. and he's got a big white pus pillar, and, and that pupil is on there, and I pray for him. And I touch that thing, and it just starts melting. The eyes start growing as it's going back into his head. Who in the world thinks that can happen? Not me. But it does. Yes. And I mean just dozens of them. And uh, so this is where the gift of faith comes in, enabling us to believe beyond ourselves. When I ask God to release the gift of faith, I say, God, I want you to release the word, uh, gift of faith in my life tonight during this service, that God, my mind will be consumed with your faith, that my eyes will be consumed with your faith. And uh, some, when I get out there, I'm telling you, I just believe it can happen. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just believe it can happen. So that's what the gift of faith does. Amen. All right, we're going to take a 10-minute break. And uh, when you come back, we're going to talk about a couple more, and then we're going to be praying and uh, uh, imparting these gifts in you. All righty, hallelujah.
uh, open up and answer these questions, then we'll get back into uh, uh, the last two gifts. What do you got, Kylan? Yeah, uh, kind of a two-part question. <clears throat> um, in one instance, uh, this person is, is out and about just somewhere and uh, saw a, a person that was, a man that was hunched over, you know, just kind of hobbling around, uh, wasn't able to function well, and didn't feel as if the, a gift was unctioning right. her, but just in general compassion. Felt, yes. Felt the need to pray, didn't do it. Did they miss something? Versus, and the two-parter is then another time, uh, a, a relative dying of cancer felt like to pray, mm -hmm. did pray, person died. So these situations, uh, comparison between the two of, of feeling versus just compassion and, and stepping well, out in those things. Well, compassion is the motivator. <laughs> Jesus was motivated to do something for those that were sick, yep. and he prayed for them. Mm -hmm. And so this compassion that we have is a drawing for us to use our faith for somebody else's well-being. So when you do that, it takes that you have to ask permission. Hey, could I pray for you? Yeah. And I've prayed for people, man. <laughs> I, I've, I've asked to pray for people in airports and stuff. And I mean, buddy, some of them just take off on me. I tell you what, God ain't. And I'm thinking, oh, God, Eric, deal with him. I'm <laughs> no. And uh, listen, man, people can be, you know, because they're in pain, they're dealing with death, they're dealing with hardship. Their families have fallen apart. Their households have fallen apart. People they love are dying. And uh, so everybody's not open to it. But, uh, you know, the ones that are, that's great. So if you can open, get them to allow you to pray, then you know what? God will do something. Mm -hmm. Just because compassion, that is one of the leadings of the Holy Ghost. Yeah. It leads you when you see them you want to use your uh, strength, your uh, spiritual endowments, uh, the gift of faith, not only the gift of faith, but your own faith. Mm -hmm. And uh, you want to use that. You want to do whatever you possibly can. Mm -hmm. And the other is that, you know, if you felt led and you, and you uh, were there and you prayed for them, then that's all you can do. Yeah. I never try to explain why somebody died, why they didn't get it. Uh, or anything else because I don't know and there's no sense in me conjuring up something to pacify uh, you I, I can't do it uh, how I don't know so uh, I just uh, I pray for people and if they die all I know is that they're in heaven and uh, so you know I don't I don't try to figure it all out I take Lincoln with me uh, and uh, Quentin sometimes, and I asked uh, Lincoln to do it. I'm out of town, and I want somebody to speak at a funeral. I try to get Lincoln to go uh, talk for a few moments, and uh, he has. But uh, I also take, have been taking Lincoln since he's been like three or four with me to visitations. And uh, the last one I took him to, uh, he asked me in, in the car, he said, well, why didn't we pray for that guy to be healed, Papa? I said, you need to listen to his words. He said, he told us, well, I'm ready to go. And, you know, uh, uh, we got everything set in order, and uh, we know that uh, 
you know, God's still God and he, I've been healed by the stripes of Jesus no matter what happened. I said, he was ready to go home. And that's why I started talking about heaven. Uh, I'm not trying to get people to believe God. I'm trying to meet people where their faith is so they can be victorious in God no matter yeah. where they are in life. Yeah. And uh, I never try to get people to try to believe. I wouldn't tell somebody, well, if I was you, I'd believe God. <laughs> well, that's what you would do. And if they had that kind of faith, they'd be doing it already. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you, I uh, have been trying to teach Lincoln that, uh, you know, there are times that we pray and there are times that we don't pray. But if God tells you to pray, you pray, no matter how hopeless it is. No matter how hopeless. Mm -hmm. Because, you know what? God is God. Yes. And if yes. you feel led to pray, then I would always follow my spirit. Mm -hmm. And I would believe that when I prayed that they got healed or they got their miracle. Mm -hmm. That's what I would believe. Mm -hmm. So we can pray and we would say, well, they didn't get results. Well, I, I don't know. And uh, yeah, they didn't live, but I don't know what they got or what they didn't get. But I was obedient to God. They let me. They agreed with me. And so we prayed. Mm -hmm. That was the question? That was it. Okay, that's it? Mm -hmm. My word. Well, I think, I think that it's a good lead into the next gift, the gift of healing. The gifts of healing. <laughs> this is the most... This is the gift that I wonder about more than any. This gift is the gift of healing, and the word healing means to reset order. Mm -hmm. It means to make whole. Mm -hmm. It means to align everything that is out of line, to adjust that which has been unjusted, mm -hmm. uh, disjusted. And so uh, the gifts of healing for me, there are two basic uh, reflections on the gift of healing. One is that it's plural, yes. so that would mean that there could be a gift of healing for cancer, a gift of healing for arthritis, a gift of healing for mental disease, or this, and that people would be known for that, which when you look at 1 Corinthians 12 chapter, yes. verse 28 on down, it is a gift that people are known for in the church. Yes. And so uh, the thought is, is that if one has a gift of healing, that he, he would have an anointing for cancer. Mm -hmm. And then this guy would have an anointing for arthritis. Mm -hmm. This guy would have an anointing for mental disease. And so it's kind of like divided up like that. My perspective on the gifts of healing is uh, kind of twofold. My, the first one I think of, I think that the gifts of healing has a lot to do with uh, addictions, bondages, uh, just like uh, things that would uh, control the mind, pornographies, uh, 
and all those types, the, all types of perversions, drug addictions, alcoholism, and that kind of stuff. I believe that the gift of healing falls there. Yeah. Uh, so now that is my perspective, is that when I'm getting ready to go into a service and I'm releasing the gift of the gifts of healing, what I'm doing is that God, those that are addicted, those that are bound, those that are in mental torment and so forth, that I'm praying that the gift of healing will set those people free. Mm -hmm. And I believe that people have got to have the ability to be set free from those types Amen. of things. Yeah. Uh, now, do I discount the people that say, well, it seems like this person is very successful at uh, praying for cancer and them getting healed. No, I'm not against that at all because I've seen it. Uh, we have, when we go to a crusade uh, a year or so ago, I said from now on, every last night of the crusade is going to end up with us praying a mass prayer for people to get filled with the Holy Ghost. So we have Kim Norris do it. I'm telling you what, you see 10, 20,000 people. I mean, people falling on the ground, not getting stepped on, people <laughs> speaking in tongues and people dancing. And, and you think, what in the world? But he has that on him. Yeah. So I saw it and I said, look, we might as well use that. And until I get it on me, I'm going to use him. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm believing God is going to get on me. Amen. Amen. I don't, I don't want to have to depend on people show up, they get sick, they call in sick, yeah. they, they do all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And uh, so, uh, you know, he has that anointing for that. And when he prays for people to get filled with the Holy Ghost, they get filled with the Holy Ghost. Yeah. They just get drunk. And I tell him, you got five minutes. Buddy, five minutes all he needs. <laughs> he, he explains it, prays for them, they get filled, and they're all going crazy. Yeah. I'm just shaking my head, my word. <laughs> So, but I recognize he's got that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I use that anointing. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to the gifts of healing, I think it has a lot to do with mental diseases, lunatics, uh, sanity, uh, insanity, uh, all types of these diseases, these addictions that are beyond uh, what we can see. I believe that God brings back in order. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But that's me. But I also believe, because I have seen, and I, I think it can be both, that, you know, some men are anointed to lay hands on people, and they, they get healed of cancers. Mm -hmm. And uh, they have great results like that. So if I had somebody in the church that had great results with that, I'd take people to them. I wouldn't say, well, I'll pray for you, you know, pray, you can get it from both of us. <laughs> I, I wouldn't believe that. I would take people to them. Mm -hmm. So as you exercise or release this gift in your life, begin to believe God that, you know what, these terminal diseases, these, these I, I would love somebody, I'm uh, using my faith to be able to eradicate sugar diabetes. I, I hate sugar diabetes. I see it just gnaw people away to nothing. And uh, if somebody gets to the point that they start getting results, consistent yeah. results, well, I want to tell you something. I, I'm going to have you praying for people on Sunday morning. 
I, I mean, I'm, I'm not a, this is not a one-man show. This is about Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that's what we want to do. We want to get Jesus involved. Yeah. And uh, I don't care how he gets glorified or who he gets glorified by. Uh, if it's a donkey, then Rob, you you can be used. But if it if if it if it's uh, uh, <laughs> something else, I'll take if, it. <laughs> I know you. Uh, uh, you know, if it's another way, then I want it. But we are all a part of the body of Christ, Amen. and we have to recognize gifts when they're operative. That we go ahead and use those gifts, and it's not important about who's in charge or anything else. Yeah. Everybody understands the authoritative structure of the church. And so I don't think there are a bunch of rebels out here. <laughs> and so I know that we are all focused on Jesus getting all the glory. Amen. And that's what, what it is about. Mm -hmm. So when you release these gifts of healing, just, a, you know, release it like you would any other gift. God, I release the gifts of healing today that, God, they're going to move through me. Father, you're going to bring me in contact with people that need a touch. God, you're going to open my eyes to those that are ready to be touched. God, those that you have prepared a way for, and that you start declaring, God, I believe I loose the gifts of healing for mental disease, for moonstruck people, for the lunatics, for those that have, and, and I do it with those that have Lou Gehrig's disease, cancers, and things of that nature. And I also do it for the addicts and all of that. And I, I have, we've seen lots of great things with addicts. Uh, you know, people bring people and they get set free. And, uh, you know, and I mean at last. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, once God heals and sets in order, it's far easier yeah. to stay in that class than it is when you go through a program, and I'm not saying anything against programs, look, if it'll work for you, get a vitamin to do it, do, hey, get two bottles, hallelujah, and share them with somebody, but whatever it might be, then I'm just glad that people are getting set free. See, I, I'm, not, I'm not arguing or struggling between medicine, vitamins, or faith. Listen, I believe in living. Yeah. That's what I believe. And you want to die in faith trying to prove to me you are, uh, you are unshakable? Well, then I guess you can die. But I don't want you to die. And I don't want to die. Yeah. You know, the devil's waiting for me to die, but I don't think I'm going to accommodate him for a while. <laughs> Amen? I, I've got a few years left in me, and I, I want to do what God wants me to do. And, uh, you know, I haven't even projected when I'm going to retire yet. Maybe 80 or 90. I don't know. Uh, 92, I'm going to go to heaven. I don't care what's happening. I'm telling you, I'm just ready to go. And uh, So, uh, look, 92 is when I'm leaving this earth. And uh, whatever has to be done till then, I'm going to do it. But I believe in living. Why would a person die because you wouldn't take a pill this big? It, it, does that take a university education for you to realize that if I take this, I live. If I don't, I die. So I think I'll die. Are you nuts? You think God would agree with that? No, I don't think so. 
I think God would say, Peter, believe me for two bottles. <laughs> uh, that's what I think. I, I mean it. I believe in living. And uh, I, I think that that's what God wants us to do, live life. And if your faith can't do it, then you use the wisdom that is at your disposal to live. And I could get criticized for what the way that I believe, but I, it would be hard-pressed for me to stand beside your bed, Kylan, and say, Kylan, you know what? I don't think God wants to take that you to take that pill that will help you live. I, I think you ought to either get it by faith, brother, or go on home. Mm -hmm. I had a friend, John McFarland. He's my friend for years. And uh, I got saved, but John didn't. And then uh, years later, John got saved. And he went to a church that preached against doctors, that they were, you know, just devils. And uh, they said that if you didn't live by faith, that he was just displeasing for God. So he was diabetic. They put him in the hospital and... Uh, he refused insulin. Mm -hmm. And then two or three days later, John died. Wow. Now, John was just a couple years older than I was. Phyllis met his uh, wife about a year ago, had never got remarried. His kids are somewhere. And uh, his mother and father, in fact, his sister is my sister-in-law. And uh, so John died needlessly right. needlessly because somebody said well you shouldn't do this you shouldn't do that and uh but it wasn't them dying it was john dying mm -hmm. and he died mm -hmm. and so his mother and father have this sour spot in their heart against faith teachers yeah. and i i would have a sour place in my heart I guess if somebody told my kid that they would be out of the will of God if they took an insulin shot. John could be alive today even though he hit on my wife. Uh, John was... He <laughs> took Phil's out in his 1957 Thunderbird and uh, said, let's look at the stars and he had a scope on his rifle. And I said, do you think she's going to fall for that? He said, well, I tried it. I said, Are you, you're an idiot. <laughs> but anyway, so, uh, but we, we want to use our uh, faith for that, for that gift of healing. And it's plural. So uh, please use that gift and believe God. I'm telling you, I don't believe that anybody has ever touched the fullness of God's power. I'm just telling you, uh, it, it, we, we haven't touched it. And we haven't touched what God will do if we will pursue him passionately. I, I just, I do believe fully that every individual could be healed. Uh, we have nights, Eric and I talked, you know, we have nights at 100% of people we prayed for God healed. I mean, just... Everybody, everybody, wheelchairs, everybody, just, they all just got healed. And I'd like to have that every day. Yeah. But uh, so I'm striving for that. And you are too. And uh, but 
until that comes, we need to just keep pushing forward. Because I believe that we could touch an addict and then be totally healed. Totally. At one touch. I believe that. Without any side effects or anything else. I believe that. That's a great need of the hour, too. Yes, it, absolutely yeah. it is. Yeah. And, uh, you know, people are bound and they, they can't get free. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we, we have all these uh, rehab places, but none of them are successful unless they're Christ-based, such as uh, like uh, Teens for Christ or something like that. But, you know, the, the government is failing terribly. And I, I just believe that God has that power, and I believe he wants us to demonstrate it. Amen. You know, Jesus didn't take the demoniac and say, hey, I've got a 12-step program for you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's not what he did. He set him free. And I think that God can do that. Now, the last one we're going to talk about is the working of miracles. This is probably one of the mi- most misunderstood gifts. Uh, that God gives us. Can you go to Luke, the 17th chapter, verse 12, through, I think it's 19. Luke 17, 12 through 19. The working of miracles. Now remember that we can move in and out of these gifts uh, at our will, but we also understand that our wills are subject to God's will. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't try to do something that God doesn't want you to. Like uh, People, you know, always tell me, well, we ought to go there and cast the devil out. You, you better be careful when you start saying, I'm going to cast the devil out of somebody. Mm-hmm. You, you better have a word from God. You better have the gift of discerning of spirits because the gift of discerning of spirits will bring an authority that you do not possess on your own. And uh, so we have to be careful that you don't just go around trying to do what you want to do. You know the old adage people say, well, if you got such power, why don't you go to the hospital and just empty it? Well, because God didn't tell me to. So I don't have the authority to, and every individual has a choice whether they will allow me to or not. So we can't just do that. Okay? Uh, What do you got there, Kylan? Luke 17. Verse number 12. And and as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. And he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? They are not not found that return to give glory to God, save the stranger. And he said unto them, to him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith has made thee whole. So, Jesus tells uh, these lepers to go. And they were healed as they went. Uh, some would say, well, that was the gift of healing. I believe it's the working of miracles. A miracle 
is unique in how it unfolds. A miracle can be received based on faith. The Bible says in Galatians 3, 6 or 3, 5 that he that worketh miracles among you, how does he do it? By the hearing of faith. So every miracle has its basis in faith. But when the working of miracles goes on, it sets in motion a progressive work of faith. Uh, it's like uh, when the lepers took off, maybe one had uh, three fingers missing. And all of a sudden, these three fingers began to appear again. That evidence gave birth to faith that had never been in his heart. But it gave birth to faith to another manifestation of evidence. So he's going along pretty soon, blind eye opens. And guess what? Now he's got, and he's hearing all these other guys yelling, Oh my gosh, here's my foot back. Oh my ears back. Oh man, what a nose. You know, it's, it's just going on. But each manifestation of the working of that miracle produces faith for the next manifestation. And so we see it many times where a people with birth defects, a people with, you know, their heads are twisted, their necks bent over, they're drooling down. Uh, we see it with people that are total cripples and twisted all up that, you know, it'll start one night. By the end of the week, it's totally worked itself, and the person's walking and moving their arms, and, and they've got their life back. So sometimes we will pray for people and we'll tell them, you know, go. You know what? This is beginning of working of miracles. Now just let it happen. And uh, a lot of times people think you're blowing them off. They think, oh, man, nothing's happening. They're just sending me home. And that's not true. Randy, get a microphone. And uh, so it's not true that we're blowing them off. What we're doing is right. Come up here, Randy writing or establishing the gift and how it operates. And uh, we've seen it where they brought them in. Uh, I mean, literally, they were paralyzed, man, from the neck down, couldn't even move their head, blinking their eyes. And uh, all of a sudden, we'd pray for them, and a woman would say, oh, he, he moved his finger. Yeah. I'd say, okay, yeah, that's great. She'd say, oh, no, he's never done that. And before we get done praying for everybody in the service that night, that guy's sitting up on that cot, moving his legs, his arms, and God's healed him. Amen. Now, Randy, the working one of the great miracles of the working of miracles that I saw, I've seen a lot of them, but this happened in Dallas, Texas. And uh, <coughs> Randy used to think I was lying. I didn't oh, say that. Yeah. Oh, you did, absolutely. You're, you're, Randy, you were lying to yourself. No, no, no. You did not believe this miracle happened. I, I just was like, wow, okay. Okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I am in Dallas, Texas at a, thank you, uh, Danny Wegman's church. Right. And, uh, I call for a, a healing line, and this lady comes up, and she's born with no eyeballs. 
I didn't say she's blind. She ain't got no eyeballs. So she comes up, and I said, what can I do for you? I'm figuring maybe she's got a boil on her rear end or something. I'm, I'm thinking, you know, you, you ain't got no eyes. What do you expect me to do? She says, I want to see. I'm thinking, are you crazy? So I said, okay, in the name of Jesus, God, I loose the working of miracles. And uh, she says, uh, I said, so what can you see? She said, I think I see light. I said, have you ever saw that before? She said, no, I don't have no eyes. And I'm thinking, okay, just keep proclaiming that. And she has a C&I dog. Yeah, I was getting ready to say she had a dog with her. Yeah, yeah has, has this great, nice-looking dog, and, you know. Uh, so I tell her, I, so I just talk to her, and I say, you know what, ma'am? I believe, and I did believe. I said, I believe that God has started the working of miracles. Now you go home, and you're going to wake up one day, and you're going to have brand-new eyeballs. She said, Okay. Turned that dog back around and went on back in the aisle and sat down. Well, we went there the next year, and here come this real tall woman. She's real tall. I couldn't hardly reach her head. And uh, so uh, she said, hi, Pastor Dosek, do you remember me? And I said, no. And she said, I'm the lady that had no eyeballs and had the dog. I said, okay. She said, well... I woke up one day, had two brand new eyeballs, and they came and took the dog. I said, okay. So then when I tell this story, most people don't believe it. Randy certainly did not believe it. But then Randy does what? Well, years later, I, how many years ago was that that, that uh, happened? Oh, gosh, I don't know. Okay. Well, a few years later, Ricardo Miller... Uh, he's a children evangelist. He came here, yeah. did a back-to-school program with us, um, and uh, we started talking, and, um, and he said uh, that, he said, your pastor was Pastor Dosak, right? I said, yeah. He said, well, he was at my church, my pastor's church, Danny Wagman. I said, oh, he was, huh? And he said, yeah. He said, man, you won't believe this. He said, but uh, he was there, and there was this lady that had, couldn't see and had a seeing-eyed dog. I saw the miracle. I was right there when all of a sudden he prayed for her. She walked away and came back completely healed. And I said, what? No way, man. That's <clears> awesome. <throat> he said, yeah, that was my pastor's church that your pastor was at, that that miracle happened. I said, man, that's awesome, Ricardo. And he said, and she's my friend. And she is still going to that church today. Yes, and still healed. Still the yep. miracle is still there. Yeah. So, yeah, that was awesome. So now Randy believes. I, yes, I believe. I believe. I believe. I would have believed you, Pastor. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes, you would, Pastor Kylan. Very nice. Good. Thank you. So the working of miracles is an intervention into a series of events that has brought somebody to an end. But God intervenes. But remember that the working of miracles requires faith for every manifestation. That's why it's the working. It is something in process. And it's working not only to deposit faith, but then for you to use that faith. 
Could that be the gift of faith in conjunction? No. Nope. Nope. It's basic human faith that is given by seeing. Yeah. So if you see your fingers grow out, you say, oh, my word, God's doing something. Yeah. So that produces expressions of faith, whether praise, confessions, sharing testimonies, or whatever. I was referring to the gift of faith working with the working of miracles overlapping. It could, but really it's not dependent on it or yeah. it wouldn't have to produce evidence yeah. okay. to gain more. Right. So it goes, it's really from the thing where we go from faith to faith, glory to glory, yeah. unveiling to unveiling. So uh, let's go to uh, 2 Kings 13, 21. Thank you, Randy. I'm glad you got faith now. Hallelujah. <laughs> What do you got, Kylan? Uh, 2 Kings 13.21. All right, 2 Kings 13.21. Yes. And it came to pass that they were burying a man, and behold... They spied a band of men, and they cast that man into the sepulchre of Elisha. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood up on his feet. That is a miracle. Yeah. That is a miracle. That's beyond the gift of healing. <laughs> yeah, because no, nobody has got any faith because they're all dead. The guy's carrying them wanted to get rid of the guy. They didn't yeah. care where he was buried. <laughs> but the guy hitting the bones of Elijah, Elisha wasn't, yeah. didn't have any faith. He's dead. He's dead, yeah. And Elisha, he ain't got no faith. He's dead. <laughs> but there is something that is resident in people even after they die. <laughs> the things that we're talking about become... Uh, we were talking about fuel oil before the service. How many of you were raised in with fuel oil when you were a kid? You remember that the fuel oil would heat the house, but you could wipe oil off of the side of your walls. I mean, it literally left the residue. Well, when you start operating in the gifts of the Spirit, there is this residue this essence that stays after the miracle takes place or one of the gifts are used. It stays on you. And that's why you want to consistently be using it and you want to be giving it its rightful place because it will stay on you. It, it gets on you uh, uh, maybe like a, a fragrance. Like a, you get around somebody and pretty soon that fragrance is on you. Isn't that what the anointing is? That The anointing is the presence of an enablement. Yeah, yeah. And so, yes, it is that. The anointing is the presence of an enablement that is put on you mm -hmm. for a purpose. Yeah. And uh, so when you're anointed for something, then you're enabled by God for that. And that does stay on you as long as you use it and keep it alive. Yeah. If you don't use something, it's going to be taken away from you. 
in Jesus' words. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about uh, these uh, miracles that take place, that Elisha's bones has a residue of what he done in his life. Yeah. And that residue is really, it's the same thing that Paul put in a handkerchief. handkerchief. Uh, and Eric and I have, you know, sometimes I just get just bone tired. I just have to tell you, I'd, I'll, be, I'll be praying for people, and all of a sudden I'll just get bone tired. And uh, one time in Mexico City, I, got, I just got bone tired. I told Eric, I'm done. I'm, I'm just flat tired. So I took my coat off and said, if they want healed, tell them to touch that coat and they'll get it. We had more testimonies out of that line people walking by and touching that coat than we did in the service when I'm standing there. I thought, man, I'm just going to send my coat and, and just get an offering. But that's the same thing that was in Paul's aprons and so forth. So that essence will be around you. Now, my stretch of faith is this. I have two things that I'm stretching my faith for. Number one, I'm stretching my faith that I will walk in love enough that when I think of someone, my faith will automatically perform a desire of my heart for their life. In other words, when I walk in love and uh, I think about you, Kylan, God will read that thought, the intent of it, and do it just like he would Samuel, not let one word fall. And I'm believing God that. So you want to stay on my good side. Because uh, I haven't talked to him about the bad thoughts I have. About. <laughs> no. And uh, then the other thing, I am believing that I can get around somebody within like 50 yards, and if they're sick, they're going to get healed. Sometimes when I'm shopping with the grandsons, I say, you see, you see that right there in that wheelchair? Yeah, I said, that's why I do what I do. One day, I'll be able to stand here, and that presence yeah. will touch them. Yeah. And, and I believe that. I, I just believe that if Peter Shadow did it, well, he's my brother. Yeah. Right. He's not heavy. <laughs> he's my brother. <laughs> so uh, I'm believing God that that's going to happen. Now, let's go to, uh, let me see, John 16 through 21. John 16 through 21. Remember, we're talking about the working of miracles. Now, the, the way that you can tell that it's a working of miracles is the witness that God reveals to you, this is what's happening. And sometimes when I pray two or three times and, and it doesn't increase from the first manifestation, I, I just presume this must be the working of miracles. So, uh, John six sixteen through 21. And when evening was now come, his disciples went down into the sea. And he entered into a ship and went over the sea towards Capernaum, and it was now dark. And Jesus was not come to them. And the sea arose by reason of a great wind that blew. So when they had rowed about five and twenty and thirty or thirty furlings, 
uh, they see Jesus walking on the sea and drawing nigh unto the ship, and they were afraid. But he saith unto them, It is I, be not afraid. Then they willingly received him into the ship, and immediately the ship was at the land whether they went. Immediately. Yeah. That was a miracle. Yeah. That was a divine intervention that overrode circumstances, common movement of a boat, overriding of a storm, and immediately brought them. So if we could live in miracles, we wouldn't have to buy gas. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. That was about three and a half miles, too. About three and a half miles. Yeah. Wow. So for three and a half miles, when Jesus got in that ship, yeah. a miracle was yeah. that they were there. Yeah. So before Scotty beamed me up, it was Jesus <laughs> slide us past. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Wow, man. Amen. So that's a Galilean Star Wars. <laughs> And uh, so, here we see that miracles are divine interventions. But on the basis of that, we have to realize that more than not, the working of miracles is what goes in place because a person's faith may have gotten God's attention, but may not be able to produce the fullness of what they need. So God incorporates the working of miracles, producing evidence, producing faith, perpetually working this miracle. Hmm. That's good. Okay? And remember that uh, you, as you use the gifts, then they will function. Randy, you were just in where? Nairobi and Uganda. Nairobi and Uganda. Uh, did you pray for the kids? Yes, we did. Did you see any miracles? Uh, yeah, there was a boy who um, had, all he could do was just, uh, you know, and um, we was at a school, and I commanded his tongue to be loosed, and um, he said, uh, I said, now say, okay, okay, and you know, and all that kind of stuff, and, and I, um, I prayed for him again, and I said, it's going to get better, you know, as, and then, of course, he gave me a big hug, of course. Um, and then there was other kids that were just healed instantly. Um, we was at a school. I've, it was about 900 kids, and uh, a bunch of them gave their life to Christ. And I and I said, you know what? I feel that um, again that, that that God wants you to speak in tongues. You know, and so we prayed for them. Over 200 kids got filled instantly and began to pray, and it got louder and louder. Well, yeah, that's amazing. right. You had about 200 kids <clears throat> filled with the Holy Spirit. In a school, yeah. Mm -hmm. That was awesome. Yeah. Now. Uh, do you release the gifts or anything like that? Uh, no. No. Now, remember we talked about the essence of the gifts being active in you? That's what is on Randy. No, really. Because he goes with me, that has gotten on him. And the other men that travel with me, they travel with me for the sole purpose of getting that on them. And so the essence that's going to happen in your life with people that are around you, it's going to get on them. It will literally get on them. And uh, they may start having dreams, visions, whatever way God chooses to manifest that. But... Uh, you know, Randy doesn't do what I did, but he was around me. 
and so now it's on him. Yeah, and yeah, you pray for people just like just like you do. Yeah, with yeah. the Miracle Crusade, there was a guy who had a twisted, twisted spine, and I I prayed just like you did, and he was healed instantly. So, yep, which was nice. And uh, but that's how the disciples did. They did it the way that Jesus did it. Yeah. And uh, so it is that essence that when you start operating in these gifts, it is going to get on you, but it'll get around and on the people that are around you. So it's uh, like these services. You probably, you have not realized it, but the gifts have begun to stir on the inside of you. And uh, it is because the simple fact that we're seeking. Yeah. And when the principle is you seek, you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened. Ask and it shall be given. So these things are happening in our lives just as we are together. When I uh, watch Allen tapes, which I, I still do, I watch A.A. Allen tapes, uh, Brother Shambok tapes, Branham tapes. No, I don't agree with Branhamites, uh, but, uh, you know, Jack Coe. I watch those tapes, and when I'm watching them, I say, God, you know what, that anointing, God, that essence that is upon them, let it come upon me because I want yeah. what they have. Amen. And it's not wrong to want that because Elisha wanted right. yeah. what Elijah had. Mm -hmm. And as long as it's not for your own purpose, yeah. then God's going to give it to you. Amen. And God's going to honor you. Right. Okay? Uh, and by tapes, you mean YouTube. Yeah, YouTube. Yes. Yeah, don't do it. So you can all when, YouTube them. Yeah, when I started doing this, when you see me on that tape, I was 46 years old. I was 22. In fact, that was my first crusade in the Philippines uh, where that man came up that was on a, they carried him uh, to the meeting in, in a chair. He'd been uh, crippled for 10 years, and I remember that. And that night, that interpreter, that was the last night he was ever with me. He was telling the people, oh, you couldn't have really been blind. Uh, you know, God doesn't do those things today. And it just, something went off on me, and I said, hey, come here. I brought another guy up, and I said, listen to this guy. Tell me what he's saying. He's saying, he's telling them they were never sick in the first place, and they couldn't have gotten healed. I said, throw him off this stage. <laughs> before I throw him off this stage. <laughs> then I was a, and that's where God spoke to me when I gave the altar call where it seemed like everybody in the crowd gave their life to Christ and God spoke to me and said, son, we can do this any place in the world. Any place in the world. And I have never, ever not seen God do it. Amen. He's never failed me. Never. And he's never failed to glorify Jesus. So, here's what we're going to do. We're going to receive an offering, and then we're going to pray for these people. And uh, I'm going to lay hands on you, and I'm going to ask God to stir the gifts on the inside of you. And what you need to do is begin to use them. And if you, if you didn't understand something, please go ahead and get on live stream. Listen to it over and over and over. I'm trying to give you 22 years of simplicity of acting and operating in the gifts 
of the Spirit. And uh, I have been graced by great men to uh, be recognized that, uh, you know, God, God was using me. And uh, I do give credit to uh, my pastor, Samuel Thomas, and, uh, because he taught me to live by faith. Uh, secondly, I give credit to Brother Shambach, R.W. Shambach, uh, T.L. Osborne, uh, Brother, uh, uh, yeah, Oral Roberts, and uh, just great men like that that were very kind to me. They would call me and they would talk to me. I have personal letters from them. Uh, you know, they just, they were very kind to me. In some way, God allowed them to see value in me. And uh, they helped me. And they blessed me and they taught me and they spoke to me and they wrote to me. And uh, I will ever be grateful for them. And thanks could never, ever say enough to those men. Uh, but they're gone. And as Till Osborne would tell me today, Peter, my time is up, but yours has just begun. Don't miss it. Lay hold of it. Seize the hour and be the Christ that men are seeking. He would encourage me to believe that Jesus was in me and that when they saw me, they should see Jesus. So uh, let's receive an offering and uh, then we're going to uh, pray for you. Hallelujah. All right, so if you, just, you can get an envelope off the back of the seat and a million is, what is it, M-I-L-L-I-O-N? What are you laughing about? You think that can't happen? It's great faith. Oh, man, I was thanking God today for the guy that wins Powerball, being spirit-filled, watching YouTube, and said, oh, my gosh, that's where I'm supposed to give that $60 million to. Hallelujah. you got to believe for something. Well, at least 10% of it. Well, no, it, it's $600 million. Oh, it is. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Man, you shooting my faith down I've seen there. the wrong billboard. You're trying then. to take me from $60 million down to $6 million? Absolutely not. Come on, Mike, bring them over here. Hallelujah. Father, we just pray the people that are sowing God's seeds. God, we ask you to bless them, increase it. God, as they are hungering and thirsting for you, let them be filled, God. As they're seeking, let them find. They're knocking open it, God. As they're asking, give it to them. God, let simplicity be the basis of how we operate and, God, how you are glorified through the gifts. Holy Ghost, speak loudly, definitely, precisely in Jesus' name. God, we thank you for it. Amen and amen. All right, bring your offering, and then we're going to pray.